Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's late on Thursday, December 19, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and the big news of the day is that James Wiseman is withdrawing from Memphis to prepare for the NBA draft. So his college career is done after just three games. If you're unfamiliar with the details, let me recap his situation for you real quickly. The NCAA let Memphis know before the season opener that Wiseman had eligibility concerns. Memphis played him anyway. And then after three games, Memphis did what it should have done in the first place, which is rule him ineligible and apply for reinstatement. The NCAA responded with a 12-game suspension, and though Memphis and Wiseman were disappointed, everybody said he was looking forward to rejoining the team January 12th at South Florida, but those plans changed. He's now decided he's done. He announced it on Instagram. So, Norlander, I know you talked about this earlier today on an emergency pod you recorded while I was flying Mm. to Las Vegas, but for folks who maybe haven't heard that yet, let's just start with your general thoughts on this major development in the sport that a consensus top-five pick – who is not injured, has voluntarily ended his college career. Sure, I will be quick with this because I want to hear your take sooner than later. Um, and yes, if you are listening to this one prior to the emergency pod, I mean, I, I, I just, I straight, I straight riffed for about 20 minutes, and at the end of it, <laughs> at the end of it on my Twitter feed, it popped. It's not nearly as significant that Josh Langford was going to be out for the season. We'll get to that soon. So for a minute there, I was like, Paris is on a plane. We're doing this emergency podcast. I can barely sit. It got it got real wild here. My my broad takeaway on this, and I did write a, a subsequent column that you can read at CBSSports.com or pull it up on your uh, on your app on your phone after you listen to the pod, is sucks for college basketball. Uh, I was surprised by this. You know, when we got to this point, I didn't think we would have Wiseman opting out. I thought the time for that would have been, frankly, you know, within three days after the appeal was upheld, that would be a 12-game suspension. And then, as you know, as after I finished the pod and I started sat down just to to bang out a quick column, I thought, well, I don't blame him whatsoever when I look at his situation. Um, you know, to, as I've said on the podcast before, adults have failed James Wiseman left and right for varying reasons. But, you know, be it his mom for taking the money, Penny Hardaway for giving it out of the kindness of his heart long before he was the Memphis coach. The NCAA with its rule book just left and right. James Wiseman has been pulled in so many directions. He's going to play. He's not going to play. He's eligible. He's on the floor. Now we're taking him off the floor. That at the end of all this, I don't blame a kid who's 18 years old, going to be worth tens of millions of dollars officially in a matter of months here. And he just decided to step out, take command of his situation. His draft stock has no chance, barring freak injury, of dropping wherever. Like, he is the third pick in the absolute worst-case scenario, I think, at this point. Um, so I commend him for that. And if anyone's looking to kind of to bash on the kid for leaving early, and I will say that I don't think that is so much a part of our discourse anymore, which has been nice to see, but still... Um, it sucks for Memphis that, you know, final four hopes are clearly like they're just not what they were when you thought Wiseman was coming back. But I commend him for the decision. And if I was in his same exact spot, I can't say that I wouldn't do the exact same thing. So that's my broad takeaway. But, you know, I, I ranted on this and riffed on it for 20 minutes. So I, I've done it here for another two and a half. Let's let's throw it back to you. Um, what, what are your thoughts? And, you know, the floor is yours. Have a blast. I, I, I would start by saying um, I, I don't blame him because I wouldn't blame anybody worth tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars for deciding they're not going to play a sport for free that they will soon be um, able to make millions of dollars 
playing. Um, so when R.J. Hampton decides he wants to skip college or Darius Baisley decides he wants to skip college, obviously they took different paths, but they both decided college basketball wasn't for them. You're not going to be able to find a column or a podcast or a tweet for me criticizing them because I, I understand. That said, the timing is unusual, obviously, and strange. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because James Wiseman wanted to play college basketball. Darius Baisley decided he didn't want to, or either somebody decided it for him, but it was all decided in advance. James Wiseman decided he wanted to play college basketball, even though he was regarded as the number one pick in the draft a year ago. Like, that's the one thing I've heard today. Well, you know, he solidified his draft stock. When? In three games? His draft stock was solidified two years ago. He was always going to be a top five pick in the 2020 NBA draft. In fact, if this was really just about draft stock, um, he should have just skipped college altogether because that would have made more sense than going through what he's gone through. Um, in fact, a year ago, he was more certain to be the number one pick in the draft than he is right now because this LaMelo ball didn't exist a year ago. And so, right. again, the, the, the timing is is strange because I would have understood, just like I said, if he have just said, listen, everybody says I'm the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Um, I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to sit this thing out, prepare for the draft. I'm not playing uh, amateur basketball. Okay, that makes sense to me. Or I'm going to go overseas. Okay, that makes sense to me. I could have understood if when the NCAA announced a 12-game suspension, he just said, you know what? I'm out. I'm not playing by these stupid rules. These, yeah. these people are going to try to make me sit out 12 games and then, and then pay $11,500 to some charity. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm out of here. That would have made sense to me. But to accept the suspension, Instagram and tweet about how much you're looking forward to rejoining your teammates and competing for a national championship and then serve most of the suspension and then just bounce the week before Christmas, that that part, the way he's done this, doesn't make much sense to me. What he's doing, I understand. The way he did it, does it make sense? And so the question becomes, well, then what happened? Because this clearly was not the plan. What happened? It seems pretty clear to me. Um, somebody got in there. And, and while he was detached from his teammates and coaching staff, more so than he's ever been since getting on campus, because part of this suspension is when they travel, he stays home. When he's around them all the time, I imagine you feel like you're part of something. You're with your boys every day. You're with your staff every day. But now they're on the road and you're watching them on TV. And you and listen, when you're somebody like James Wiseman, somebody's around you at all times. It's either your coaching staff or your players or when they're gone, who knows who it could be. So I, I guess I would bottom line it this way. Somebody got in there and convinced them that being at Memphis wasn't in his best interest anymore. That playing college basketball wasn't in his best interest anymore. And I don't know if I would agree with that person um, because there are lots of people right now who could just, quote, shut it down if they wanted to based on they've solidified their draft stock. I mean, Anthony Edwards could do it. I don't think he's going to. And that would even be more understandable at this point because it doesn't appear at Georgia they're going to be competing for anything. Memphis is 9-1, and ranked 11th in the country. 
you add James Wiseman and Lester Quinones, they really could compete for a Final Four national championship. And so he is walking away from something that other people value. And I don't believe for a second that he just woke up today and decided that's what he wanted to do. Somebody has convinced either him or the people around him that this is what they want him to do. Well, I said this, and I'm not. I'm going to try really hard not to repeat what I said on the Orange podcast, but just so you have uh, a frame of reference, because I know that you didn't listen to it, and or why would you, uh, the 20-minute pod that I did, my belief, and I still don't have information or intel on this. I did not seek it out, and no one provided it to me. Uh, I just, I believe that the timing of this means that, in, 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 to me, it's an agent got to him, uh, and convinced him to, to switch. What I will be interested in seeing is I believe Penny's representation is from ISC, that's Independent Sports and Entertainment. Um, whenever we find out the person or people that will represent James Wiseman in the lead-up to the 2020 NBA draft, uh, you would think, <laughs> given the background, uh, that maybe ISC would have a would kind of have a foot in the door, uh, given the relationship between Wiseman and Penny. And then will that be the case? Or will well, it, I, 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 I can stop you right there. I promise you, nobody who is representing Penny Hardaway had anything to do with Penny with James Wiseman leaving Penny Hardaway. Right. Um, that's what that, that's what I'm getting at here. So, like, whereas, like, because let's, I just want to lay it on the table here. Quite obviously, if if there had ever been, you know, when Wiseman was a junior or a senior, uh, someone from a sports agency that wanted to get in, given who the Memphis coach became, uh, it would not be a surprise if we came to find out later down the road that uh, Hardaway and Wiseman's representation came from the same company. But now, again, this is my opinion, given the timing of this, uh, I might think that's less likely. That's my read on. We could come to find out that it's completely something else. You know, uh, who knows? I think that the James Wiseman in college story and all things attached to it pretty much end here this weekend. But who knows? Maybe something pops two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks from now, something in the lead up to the draft that we find uh, that, that's a little bit different. But uh, I was surprised by this. And, yeah, it, it's, it sucks that they're losing. Okay, what other uh, thoughts do you well, have I, on this? Well, I, well, first, I can tell you your opinion is a fact. Um, it would be foolish oh, to okay. think that an agent doesn't ha- isn't playing some role in this. And then the other thing I can tell you is that – some of the people around James Wiseman and Penny Hardaway have gotten sideways in mm. recent weeks. And that played a role in this as well. And I think the Wiseman family, I don't think, I'm not guessing here, I was told that the Wiseman family grew frustrated about basically how everything has gone since James got to Memphis. Um, they feel like they were misled throughout the process. In other words, um, clearly they always knew, maybe James didn't, but the adults involved knew that there was this money that had been exchanged and they were told, at least I'm told uh, what they're telling people is that they were told it wouldn't be a problem. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. So they go, okay, everything's fine. Well, then we'll go to Memphis. And then they get to Memphis and they find out very quickly this is not fine. This is going to be a big thing. And then they go through the summer and they go through the preseason. And then, boom, the NCAA says you, you, you don't need to play. And initially Memphis played them, which, again, was illogical, but they did it. And then Memphis convinced Wiseman or somebody convinced Wiseman, yo, if you drop this case and let Memphis rule you ineligible, apply for reinstatement – 
um, they're gonna go. They're gonna be show some leniency on you, you know. So it's probably gonna be like six games. Nope. So then Wiseman does it, and then the suspension's twelve games, and then the family's like, "What? You guys told us this wasn't gonna be a big deal. Now he's out for twelve games till January twelfth. And I think while all of that is brewing, then somebody gets in there and and convinces them, "Why you want to keep being around these people that are?" Um, you know, they, they, they keep putting you in bad situations and eventually it, it worked because he didn't just withdraw from school today. He was on a plane gone. Oh, he really? actually left. He actually left Memphis. Oh, wow. And I, and I can tell you that you've probably seen the Instagram from Penny Hardaway where he's wishing James Wiseman luck and says, we're going to miss you big ticket. And so you're gonna, you're gonna is be, he going to provide some moving expenses again for James? I, I can't speak to that, okay. but I actually, I, I feel comfortable telling you. He will not okay. because, because though the public face is encouraging and understanding, I'm told he's, he's pissed and the coaching staff really? is pissed. Well, and I mean, I understand that's not like a shock shock, but, and but, you got to do what you got to do there. But yeah, of, I mean, of course. Right. And I'm, I'm told his teammates are pissed. Somebody can go look, check this. I don't know. I haven't had time to check. And I, so I don't know if this is true, but this is a podcast. You don't have to know if things are true before you say them. Uh, somebody told me, that some of his teammates unfollowed him on Instagram today. Now that might not mean something to most people, but to teenagers, that is a big deal. Like that's a thing that, that, that means something. And so I, I can just tell you matter of factly, the, the coaching staff is, is disappointed. That's the nicest way to put it. Angry would be the possibly more accurate way. And his teammates are also disappointed and also, um, also, you know, angry because just contrast it with the Zion Williamson situation last season. Zion gets hurt, ends up missing, I believe, five games. And there are people on national television saying that he needs to shut it down. And if you don't think there were agents and other people around that family telling him the same thing, you're out of your mind. Right. And yet Zion stood up and said, these are my brothers. I would not leave them. You know, I, I don't like whatever you think I'm risking. I don't care. Uh, even if I'm aware of it, I don't care because I'm trying to win a national championship with my best friends. And you contrast that with James Wiseman just dipping week before Christmas. Um, I, again, from a distance, I, I cannot criticize the young man for doing what he believes is best for his career because he obviously has a he's in a unique situation, um, the, the type that most of us could never even dream of being in. But if I were his coach, or I were his teammates, I'd be upset. And if I were the University of Memphis, I'd be a little upset because, again, they made a mistake. They shouldn't have done it, but they really did put him out there in those first three games and put their program at real risk. I mean, they still could face a major infractions case for knowingly playing an ineligible player. And for Penny to fight publicly, the university to fight perhaps illogically, but still um, intensely, and then have him just dip on you, that would, if I were, yeah, I'd be frustrated if I were Penny too. I, I, when somebody told me Penny's mad, I said, yeah, that makes sense to me. I would be mad too if I were him. I would too. And not only that, I'd be mad and disappointed if you follow unfollowed me on Instagram. Just so you know. <laughs> so, you, Do you are you are you the type who notices when I people don't. unfollow you? I swear, I know. I I don't I don't even track that stuff. So yeah, I, I, I do not track it. But every once in a while, like you click on somebody, you see somebody's tweet, and you click on it. And it and it you know they used to follow you because you remember yeah. it and then it says doesn't follow you anymore and I get 
just for a second. Yeah, but I'm, oh, a day? I, no, like literally a second, t- t- ten seconds maybe. Uh, but I get to I get to a point where I go, who does this person think they are? Particularly, <laughs> particularly if they've got like way less followers than me, because that's the, I'm like, you think you think I. You don't need to follow me anymore, and I'm still following you and your 11,000 Twitter followers? And, and then I, I struggle. Okay, it's clearly more than a 10-second thing. Uh, then I, obviously. So then, I, so then I'm like, okay, I don't want them to think I unfollowed them just because I noticed they unfollowed me, but still, I don't want to be following this person. You, so stick, yeah, you like, stick around the bar for a little while longer, right? Yeah. yeah so, so I noticed one the other day, <laughs> like really four days ago. Call him out. And, Call him out right now. I would never call them out. But I was like, "Who does this? Per- who does this person think they are to unfollow me?" And so I was like, "I'm gonna unfollow him." I know how childish this sounds, but then I was like, "I don't want him to think I'm that petty, even though I clearly am." So I'm still following this person, but I'll dump him. I'm gonna dump him at some point. I can't believe Dan Walken would do that to you. <laughs> he would not. I don't think Dan Walken would. Completely uncalled for. Let <laughs> me ask you this, Norton, okay. Andrew, to get it back to James Wise, because okay. this is interesting. So hold on, let me just unfollow you real quick here. Okay, don't don't you ever. Okay. It would crush me. Um, I also end up following people that I wish I could unfollow, by the way. But I don't want to hurt them the way I get hurt. Just hit, just just click that mute button, buddy. I do. I have muted. Tons yeah, of you got to do the mute. Yeah, that's that's I, the go-to. I, yeah, if you tweet me all the time and I don't ever respond, it is probably because I have muted. <laughs> <laughs> here, here is a here's here's something I want to ask you. Okay. So. Is it possible? And we'll never have a clear answer to this. So it's not like something you're. It's not trivia time. There's no way to. There's no. There's no answer for certain. Are you? I, are you sure? I, I'm pretty sure, okay. but I'm going to present the question to you. So, is it possible that Memphis fighting for James Wiseman the way it did initially actually cost them James Wiseman? And here's why I would ask you: If they rule him ineligible before the season, as they were told to do. It would have been a nine-game suspension, and so he would have returned. On, um, he would have actually like been eligible to play again for Tennessee, the Tennessee game. Yeah, on yeah. December eighth, that would have been the day after the UAB game, and then he would have played last weekend, December fourteenth, at Tennessee. When they decided to fight it, so so it would have been over essentially. The suspension would have been from November fifth to December eighth, about a about a month long suspension. When they decided to fight it, they pushed it back in terms of the calendar, and they extended it by three games. So the suspension didn't start until November 14th instead of November 5th, and it's going to last three extra games now. So now it goes through the January 9th Wichita State game. He wouldn't have been eligible to return until Sunday, January 12th, which means he was suspended from November 14th to January 12th. That would have been the suspension. So forget about it in games. I'm talking about it in real time, like actual days. By fighting, they took a one-month suspension in real time and turned it into a two-month suspension in real time. And over the course of that time, his teammates are gelling on the road, winning games. He's just not around them as much. And also this, if he would have... Because I think part of the reason Zion didn't shut it down, uh, besides the fact that he's just wired not to shut it down, is that he had already really tasted what college basketball was like, really tasted what it was like to play in Cameron Indoor with his 
you know, with his best friends, um, compete at the highest level of the sport. Wiseman never really got to taste that. He played against South Carolina State, Illinois, Chicago, and a neutral court against Oregon. I wonder, and again, we'll never know, if they rule him ineligible at the beginning of the season, he misses the first nine games, returns for Tennessee. That means that whoever got to him, you know, this week could, you know, he would would already been playing. You think he really walks away from his team after playing with them in Tennessee, getting a win? They're ranked 11th in the country, and people are talking about him as a real national championship contender. You think he walks away then? I don't think he does. I'm so impressed, man. I think it just took you four minutes to ask me a question. I can I can take longer. <laughs> don't think I can't take longer. I, I don't think otherwise. Uh, it is possible now. It you know certainly is within the realm of possibility, bordering on likelihood that this whole thing could have played out, and we just dial the clock back to the Tuesday before Thanksgiving as we're getting ready to watch. Anthony Edwards go off against Michigan State that same day. We come to learn that Wiseman is just going to bail altogether. I'm not saying you know that was for sure going to happen, but it happened this way. Maybe it would have happened the other way because he could have easily just he could have easily gotten to a point where he's like, yeah, I mean, I haven't played a game of college basketball yet. I know it's coming, but what do I have to gain here? I if I had to guess one way or the other, though, I'd I'd lean toward that he would have stayed. And we would have been talking earlier this week on the podcast about James Wiseman's college debut in what you figure would have still, they won anyway, but still nonetheless would have been a win for Memphis over Tennessee. So, yeah, that's certainly possible. Now, by the way, Memphis 9-1 and ranked number 11 in the poll and have been undefeated without him. Um, but going forward, you know, that's just it just complicates things. I mean, I don't know how good they're going to be once they get the league play and all that stuff. It is, uh, it will be a fascinating experiment here for Penny as a coach. Uh, those players who you said are, are, are gelling and I wouldn't disagree with that. They still got to get Lester Quinones back. Um, but you can't deny that in the here and now, I mean, you know, let's circle back in a month and see where they're at. Uh, just Memphis cannot be considered a title contender the way that that was becoming a real possibility given how they played and under the understanding that uh, Wiseman was going to come back in the middle of January. I think they could still be the best team in the American Athletic Conference. I don't know, and that might, might say more about the Atlantic American Athletic Conference this season than anything else. Um, because Memphis has been good without Wiseman, I, undeniably, the ceiling is lowered. I mean, when you're talking about winning a national championship that is rooted in not only having possibly the number one pick in the draft, but possibly the best player in college basketball. And now you know you're not going to have him. And I, I was told that the Memphis staff was working on trying to talk him out of this. Um, even, I mean, I was going to say as recently as today, but even after he announced it on Instagram, like, do not do this. Mm. Um, you're letting your teammates down. Um, you know, this is not in your best interest because, because it really will lead to some NBA people asking questions about him. Sure. That's, I mean, that's okay. Just a quick rant here. That's fine. Like that's going to lead to that question. And I think I said this on HQ. I don't think it's on the podcast. That's another question about why it's just general competitive nature, because as we've talked in the past, like. He is so talented, but there there have definitely been nights where it's like he should have been better against that kind of team than he has been. So maybe that is, but that's not stopping the kid from getting picked top three. Like it's not. He, he could. He could. I'm telling you, he's not going to do this, but he could badmouth nine guys on that roster, and it's not going to affect him going in the top three. At the same time, if the coaches want to try and change his mind, that's completely understandable. But again, I don't fault or blame Wiseman one bit because. 
even if he got his mind flipped and changed on this, it's undeniable that the school, uh, the coaches, the NCAA, again, all of the adults in this situation screwed James Wiseman over. He did not take the money, okay? He did not take the money, allegedly did not even know about the money, you know, regardless of the details on that. I also think that the payment plan for the NCAA played a factor here as well because now he doesn't have to pay any of that stuff. He's Penny Hardaway's not on the hook for it, so... Um, I, I understand all that. I'd love to see him play. I'm sure his teammates would love to have him there, his coaches. But I know you're just presenting a situation, but I find a lot of it to be just BS, man. The kid got screwed over to begin with, and I just don't blame him at all for leaving, even in the way that he did later than we all expected him to. Yeah, it, listen, again, it's his decision. But I do think that the idea that, hey, you're a guaranteed top three pick, just shut it down, it, it doesn't come without other issues or other questions let's say that he is a, a, a guaranteed top five pick well the difference between the first pick and the fifth pick in terms of contract is 16 million dollars it's not insignificant and the ncaa tournament in college basketball in general can be a big showcase for you that helps build a brand that gets you a better better shoe deal than you otherwise would have get would have gotten that's true now he's a big so he wasn't going to get a zion deal also but true. zion probably made a hundred million dollars in shoe money just by becoming a star in college basketball. That was something to be considered. And, sure. and so when I'm saying the Memphis coaches were trying to lay out a counter-argument, some of it was rooted in selfish reasons. Of course, they want him to play basketball for their team. But there are other things that were being presented to him, the things that I just said. And I will say, um, you know, th- th- to circle back to the, the, the way the calendar worked, if they had just set him down for the first nine games, had him back at Tennessee, you only have to keep him – you know, you only have to keep him close and keep people who are trying to encourage him to do this away um, till you know December fourteenth, and then he's back on the team. And I'll just tell you this: no healthy player has ever quit a team in the middle of the season for the reasons that James Wiseman just did, like in, literally in the history of basketball. And so, if you if if you weren't suspended for another month. Could you have held them together? If you could have had him eligible last weekend, and now he's a part of the team, would this played out a different way? Like I said, we'll never know for sure. If I were guessing, I would guess that I just don't see a scenario. If they could have kept him to the Tennessee game, which they did by definition, he didn't leave till today. If he plays in that Tennessee game, I just cannot imagine him dipping out on his teammates. You know, four days later. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Anything else on James Wiseman? You got. I think to say? we got enough between this and the and the emergency pod. We're we're coming up on fifty minutes, so okay. uh, it's been a, it's been it's been real, James. Uh, but we'll circle back with you, I guess, after the final four once we get into more draft centric stuff, unless news dictates otherwise. Okay, give me eight minutes to ask you one more question. Oh boy, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the James Wiseman story, the biggest story in college basketball right now. But but before that broke, the biggest news was Kentucky losing again late Wednesday. Here in Las Vegas, we're going to get into that next. But uh, first, check this out. Hey, everybody. It's Frank Stanfield from Fantasy Baseball Today. Don't worry. Adam Azer isn't going anywhere, and neither is FBT. The MLB season is delayed, but that just gives us more time to deep dive players, argue about rankings, and find this year's Cattell Marte. Regardless of what format you play in, Roto, Points, Keeper, Auction, Dynasty, we've got you covered. We're here for you five days a week, so make sure to download and subscribe to Fantasy Baseball Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. There are no sports going on right now. None. I never imagined times like this happening, but here we are. And because we're all in this together... 
Nothing personal with David Sampson carries on. We will carry on every Monday through Friday. We will keep breaking down this widespread and lasting impact of the coronavirus and provide updates and insight on these unprecedented events. I mean, in my 18 years as president of a major league baseball team, I saw some crazy stuff, but nothing quite like COVID-19. It's brought the live sports world to its knees. And I promise to decode the BS in sports, and that's never been more true than right now. You need to know what's happening. Download and subscribe to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else podcasts are found. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. So Kentucky will play in the CBS Sports Classic on Saturday here in Las Vegas, but John Calipari... Um, as we discussed on a previous podcast, brought his team out west early for a tune-up against Utah. It turned into much more than a tune-up against Utah, though. It turned into another nationally televised loss. Final score, Utah 69, Kentucky 66. So the Wildcats are now 8-2 and two on the season. They have that season-opening win over Michigan State in their back pocket, and that's nice. But the resume now also features a loss as a 25-point favorite to Evansville, which is currently ranked 207 at Ken Palm, and now a loss as a 10-point favorite to Utah, which is ranked 100 at Kempom. That means Kentucky right now has two losses to teams ranked 100th or worse at Kempom. Trivia time! Norlander. Yeah. Last, last season, how many losses did Kentucky have to teams ranked 100 and wor- uh, 100 or worse at Kempom? I mean, I'm going I'm to say zero right off the top. Zero is the correct answer. Congratulations. Let's go back to the year before that. How many did they have? 19. Zero is also the answer. Year before that, how many did they have? How, are we going to do this all the way back to Nerlens and Wells days? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay. Is the actual, did you research this? Is the actual answer zero dating all the way back to Nerlens Noel? No. Okay. It was zero each of the past three seasons. That is true. They didn't lose any last season, any the season before that, any the season before that. But they did lose a few the season before that, which would have been 2015-16. They lost to Auburn, which was ranked 189th at Ken Palm. How that? How? Shouts to Bruce Pearl from bringing it from that. Still undefeated, by the way. Uh, defeated <laughs> NC State on Thursday night. Yeah, that's uh, lower than I would have expected. Anyway, continue. 2015-16 season, Auburn was 189th at, in Ken Palm. Beat Kentucky. They also lost to. Um, Tennessee that year, which was 103rd. So they had two that season, but zero losses is what I'm trying to say. Zero losses to teams ranked 100th or worse at Ken Palm in the, each of the past three seasons. They've already got two this season, and it ain't even Christmas, Norlander. How concerned are you about the Wildcats after watching our little homie, Boothgotch, work them inside T-Mobile Arena. I liked him better when I wanted his name to be Boothgatch, but it's actually Boothgatch, and he got 14.6 rebounds in Utah's signature win. You wanted Boothgatch. I still want to call it Bothgotch. <laughs> but it is, it is, or Bothgok? Bothgok? Gak? It's, Booth, it's Boothgotch. Todd Gak. What is that, It's Boothgotch. Um, I know it's Boothgotch. Listen, Boothgotch, that's, what are we doing what are we doing? Why did we not lead the podcast with Booth Gotch? Because I had a four-minute question I needed to ask you about James Wiseman. <laughs> Booth Gotch. I couldn't believe what I was watching here uh, on Wednesday night, by the way. Just the fact that he randomly come. 
he randomly came up on the podcast, somewhat randomly. We were going to talk about Kentucky and the build-up to all this stuff. And and then he's just balling, like out of his mind, All-American candidate out of nowhere, and obviously was was quite key to Kentucky uh, getting a loss and, and Utah hanging on late there. Um, so, you know what? Credit and shouts to Booth Gotch. I got actually. I got a piece of. I got a. I got a piece of Boothgotch trivia for you, if you want. Yeah, I do. I do want <laughs> trivia that. time. Okay. Boothgotch is from Austin, Minnesota. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Austin, Minnesota has a museum for an American dish that is iconic and dates back to World War II. What is that? What is that food? Chicken pot pies. Nope. It was made popular or satirized by the Monty Python films. Mmm. Fish sticks. What are? What? You don't know about? You don't eat fish sticks? You don't know about Monty Python? I don't know about Monty Python. I mean, I'm aware that Monty Python is a thing, but I can't. I would not know if you if we did Monty Python trivia, I wouldn't get anything right. Uh, all right, there will be no more Monty Python oriented or related trivia time questions. Austin, Minnesota, Booth Gotch's hometown. It's where the Spam Museum is. You ever had Spam in your life? I have had Spam in my life, but not since I, um, not since I moved into a different tax bracket. All right, there we go. I've never had Spam. There we go. Little Norlander, uh, Norlander factoid. Anyway, uh, Kentucky's eight and two. Utah's nine and two, and. And, uh, l- listen, credit to Utah because it was the better team, looked like the better team. Um, I'm kind of stunned at what Kentucky isn't at this point. Overall, Emmanuel quickly was terrible in that game. Uh, Nate Sestina was able to return, which was nice to see. But my biggest takeaway here is that the Utah loss signified to me what is the like the issue that has troubled Kentucky for years and now is going to downright affect the Wildcats' ability not just to win the SEC but to get a good seed if it keeps going like this. Do you realize Kentucky is shooting 27.5% from three-point range right now? And that's obviously terrible. It ranks 326 in the country. But whereas Kentucky teams in the past, and I know because I've had to write about it a ton, we've talked about it a ton on the podcast, it's a thing every single season – uh, and I'd actually love to have like, you know, a behind-the-scenes conversation with John Calipari about why this is. Why can't you recruit guys who can become or grow into great three-point shooters on the whole? Because the teams are never good. But this is beyond bad. I mean, last year, 35%. Year before, 35%. The year before, 35%. The year before, 36, 35, 33, 34. Um, this team, 27.5. It's by far the worst three-point shooting team he's had in the history of Ken Palm's database, and that goes back to the Memphis stuff as well. So um, it's a hindrance uh, on the, to the verge of being debilitating. If you cannot hit at least 30% of your threes, it's why Virginia I can't take seriously as a national title contender despite the fact it's by far got the best defense in America. So go where you want with the GP. But to me, they were just they were like 2 of 17 against Utah, and I'm most interested to see like how bad it gets, or maybe they can do a massive regression to the mean against Ohio State uh, in Vegas at the CBS Sports Classic. Um, I, I, it's one of the things, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before. I don't understand how Duke and Kentucky so often end up with, with no shooters. Like 
you know, I realize how silly it must sound for me to be, you know, questioning how Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari do their jobs. They're two of the best to ever do it, two of the best doing it right now. But um, if you can uh, not necessarily handpick your rosters, but largely handpick your rosters at places like Kentucky and Duke when you're Cal and K, how do you end up with rosters that don't have shooters? Like, how do you end up with Zion Williamson and no shooters? Like, that, like um, Zion was amazing despite having shooters around him. Like when the Lakers, and actually the Lakers weren't the best at this, but at least uh, my point is that they, they go, okay, we got LeBron James, now we need to put shooters around him. Like that's like it's the second sentence of that conversation. We have LeBron James, we need to surround him with shooters. And yet, I don't know why we have Zion Williams and we need to surround him with shooters doesn't doesn't register in the same way. And at Kentucky, you're exactly right. They're never they they rarely shoot the ball well from the perimeter. They often have good offenses, despite that fact. But the idea that that they cannot shoot um, is is undeniably a, a real problem. Let me ask you about their resume in general because I dropped them completely out of the top 25 and one. And I don't you know it's not not common to drop somebody from seven to to out. But when you look at their body of work, there's nothing there. The, the combined record of the well, 10 teams not they not nothing play. there. I mean, they do have the win over. I know. Listen, it's not you – know, Michigan State isn't the overwhelming best team in that, but they did beat Michigan State. Okay, yeah, okay. They beat Michigan State. That's true. The combined record of the 10 teams they play, including Michigan State, is 54-54. and 54. Mm-hmm. The average Ken Palm ranking of the 10 teams Kentucky's played is 194th. The schedule is rated, for whatever it's worth – 329th at Ken Palm. They've got two losses ranked, uh, two losses to teams ranked 100 or worse right now at Ken Palm. If I were to keep Kentucky in the top 25 and one, they would be the only team I have ranked that has two losses to teams ranked 100th or worse at Ken Palm. So I dropped them out, and I really didn't even get a lot of pushback. Like Kentucky fans, I feel like they're so defeated they just weren't even they they couldn't even muster up enough energy to call me an idiot on Twitter. <laughs> they, they just like right, listen, we lost to Utah and Booth Gotch. What do you want me to do? What can you do, Booth Gotch? Uh, no, it's a totally validated decision. And right now, that was the first loss of three, you know, important games. I understand Utah, you know, isn't rated highly at this point, but still, you know, it's. It's not terrible. I mean, look good. We're a young team and 9-2, and two, and we'll see if they can wind up being a sneaky team that uh, can crack into the top six of the Pac-12. And obviously you got Ohio State, and then they get a week off, and then they will welcome in Louisville. Um, so it's, it's, it's a critical point here. Like, I know once you get into league play and all the games seem so huge and you're on the road all the time, uh, you know, the schedule will not get easier in the, in the grand scheme. But, like, Kentucky, if it were to lose against Ohio State on Saturday – We'll preview that in just a minute here. And then gets a Louisville team that looks better than Kentucky, but they get at home. Like, I don't think they're going to lose the next two, but if they do, it's not inconceivable. You're 8-4 and four at that point. Just, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. The guards are an issue. I thought they'd be so much better than they are at this point. I mean, I thought, especially after the opening night, I thought Maxie would be a stud, a star. Just hasn't been that yet. Ashton Hagens has not developed a shot that's, you know, at least from mid-range to outside, that's good enough. And then quickly just is not taking the jump there. So I think you combine that with the fact that, you know, Nick Richards, Khalil Whitney, EJ Montgomery, they're nice players. I, I still haven't understood the the draft hype around Khalil Whitney. I'm still not seeing that there. But, yeah, uh, some of the Kentucky teams in the past, Paris, have needed some time to really hit that on-ramp and find a stride. This is sort of looking like that to a certain extent. Um, it's not judgment day against Ohio State on Saturday, but – 
if the Buckeyes win by like 15 plus points, then yeah, the, just the entire way that we even perceive Kentucky's existence is going to drastically change. It needs to be competitive against the Buckeyes, and I'm starting to doubt whether that will actually be the case. And that was another thing that went into my thought process about dropping them out. Again, just on a very basic level, if I left them in, they would be the only team in with two losses to teams ranked 100th or worse. Um, but also, if I knock them out now, they can win their way back in Saturday or, or the following Saturday. They've got two big resume opportunities uh, coming up. And then on the other hand, if they lose those games, then you know the, the body of work really starts to um, to take a hit. So, um, yeah, not great times for Kentucky, but uh, if you're John Calipari, you've been through this so many times, and he has had teams that have struggled early and become great late, and I'm not ruling that out here. Um, there are reasons to be concerned, three-point shooting being an obvious one, but um, you you start counting out John Calipari teams in December, um, you'll end up looking dumb more more often uh, than not. So we'll we'll see how it goes this weekend. We'll talk more about Kentucky uh, when we get to the final four and one, but uh, real quick, quick, some um, unfortunate injury news today. Michigan State announced Josh Langford is, he's had season-ending foot surgery, and that's it. So I, I think we knew it was headed this direction, but the young man missed um, all but 13 games last season, missed the entire final four run. Um, I was with him at Big Ten Media Day. You know, I talked to him. He was excited about the possibility. Like at that moment, they thought he was maybe going to play, and yet here we are again. He will not play a single game in this season, so it stinks for Michigan State, clearly. But they're used to playing without him at this point. It might be harder playing with him than, than, than playing without him. But it, it, it's, it's worse for Josh Langford. Like, you, you only get so many years. We've talked about this before, too. You know, you get, you, there's a defined amount of time you get to play college basketball, and to have it ripped away from you in the way that it's, had, it's been ripped away from him, that's uh, – that stinks. It does stink. And uh, listen, the top of the sport is just such a jumbled mess. We're going to get to whatever Maryland didn't do in a second here, but against Seton Hall on Thursday night. But uh, so I don't want to go as far as to say that now knowing for sure that Michigan State doesn't have Josh Langford uh, greatly reduces its chances of winning the national title. You know, Memphis losing Wiseman is obviously like such a bigger deal to that than Langford. Uh, being taken away from Michigan State, in part because Michigan State made the Final Four, admittedly, with guys who are now no longer there last season, but Langford wasn't available, and this issue is now going on a year plus. I mean, that's just got to be so frustrating there. Um, we'll say this. If he uh, if he does decide to, to return and play uh, another year of college basketball and it's with Michigan State, um, could wind up being a beneficial thing for Sparty uh, a season from now if they get Tillman back, Rocket Watts grows into a better player, Marcus Bingham's still there. There's just I'm going way ahead, but I just this, this did pop into my mind. You like you definitely lose Cassius Winston, but and but he and Kyle Arns are the only seniors of of like consequence on the roster here. And so if you tell me Langford comes back and you get Tillman, Watts, Bingham, Aaron Henry, Malik Hall, I understand that easily. At least one of those guys could could opt to bounce. But if you get him back, and Michigan State gets it together here and as a top two team in the Big Ten, like Sparty's going to be a preseason Big Ten team again next season. And Langford, given, you know, his age at that point and his presence around the program, even though he hasn't played, I think would be a, a clear leader right alongside Tillman. So we wait and see. But yeah, just, uh, you know, worth noting on the podcast, a potential Final Four contender loses a player that they thought they'd have. He's not going to be there. 
uh, stinks for him, and we see what Michigan State can do going forward. They'll be off the radar for a little bit here. The next two games are at home uh, over the next 10 days, and they're against mid-major teams. While we're discussing injuries, do you want to take a minute and explain to people why you're not here in Las Vegas with me? <sighs> well, I... I mean, I can. I did it. Uh, I, I did on the emergency podcast to a certain extent. I don't know how deep we need to get into this, man. But like, you can't move. I don't think. I don't know. If people understand. Matt Norlander is almost paralyzed. It's not. It's not that bad. But at moments, it does feel like that. I will say this. So yeah, I've got. And I'll repeat my plea to the listeners. And I actually have heard from people on Twitter, direct message, all this stuff. I appreciate everyone that is sending me tips because I'm going to use it all. I have piriformis syndrome combined with like a tight hip flexor. So your piriformis, it's buried deep in your ass and it's connected to. <laughs> How did he get there, Norlander? It's connected to your sciatic nerve and your tail, uh, your tailbone, the end of your spine. And when it gets swollen or spasms, and I've I've had some spasms. Uh, like yeah, I mean I've been fighting this for a while, but it has worsened so much in the past four to six days that I can't stand for more than five to seven minutes at a time. I can't like, I'm having trouble sleeping. I can't sit in certain spots and I've had her, I have heard from people who dealt with sciatica, which is, you know, I have a, a, a form of that. Um, but Parrish, I'll, I'll be real, man. There are moments when I'm like, I'm never going to be better. This is, this is just me now. This is how I'm going to live forever. I would trade. I would trade for your double tennis elbow in an, instant for this i am recording this podcast <laughs> this is what like a 37 degree angle so i can stretch out my left leg it's absurd so because of all this and i did wait until basically the last moment i could not get on the plane like i can't even envision having to sit on a cross country like i would have tried to break the door open and just jump out of the plane at 32,000 feet it just it could not happen anyone that has had sciatic issues obviously could understand with this. So I'm doing stretching. I went and got a massage today, but even that, like, like I felt worse after that. I don't know what's going on. My calf is getting tight. I don't mean to bitch. I'm just, I'm in genuine, I'm in genuine pain. I took an Epsom salt bath today. You ever done that? Epsom salt? You ever, ever sat in that? I, I, I'm sure at some point my kids have, I know. I'd never done it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. First of all, when's the last time you sat down in a tub? I, uh, oh, it's really? been a while. Okay. It's been a while. I had, I'm 6'3". I had not sat in a tub. I, I can't even tell. It's been the 90s, <laughs> I think. There might have been one or two times where I found myself in a tub for other reasons. But regardless. Okay, um, Norlander. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, it's it was like a puppet show. But anyway. um, So... I, like I can't get comfortable. I I'm, I'm just too big for it. Like I I, I was in. It's a joke. I can't stretch out. I'm I'm like rolling around. The Epsom salt bath waters flying everywhere. Got to write a James Wiseman column. You're in Vegas. It's a bummer, man. I wanted to be there with you, but it would it would not, it would not be possible. So yes, I am going through something again. If you have done this, I mean I'm doing. I'm doing the pigeon pose. I'm doing uh, reclining pigeon pose, office hip stretch. I'm doing all lunges, frog bridges, regular bridges, planks. I'm trying to do anything and everything to get right again because I have envy. I mean, I, I legitimately have envy for people that can, like, stand for seven minutes. 
<laughs> the things you take for granted in life. I'm, like, GP, I'm telling you, when you are – like this is how you must have felt in the days after you got double tennis elbow. When, you, when stuff like that is taken away from you, I mean, you never want anything more than, than a clean bill of health here. So – Hopefully, I can be on the men soon enough in time. But it's 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 this is why I have even more um, appreciation, empathy for like these athletes that go through these grueling things, like Josh Langford, and they're able to return to form and thrive in spite of that. It's really inspiring. So anyway, that's, that's maybe I just you know selfishly rambled a, li- a bit too long. But we did like we pumped up like we're going to Vegas, baby. No, I'm not. I'm at it, home. It, 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 Oh, and, and like uh, pumped it up like, hey, we're going to Vegas. We're both getting there on Thursday. We'll record the podcast, and then we've got the night to do whatever we want to do. Instead, I'm flying here. Wiseman News breaks. I'm literally like sleeping on a plane, and the Wiseman News breaks, and I wake up, and I'm like, oh, God. And so, you know, th- th- dealing with that, I land immediately to text messages of, Hey, can you do an HQ hit? Uh, you know, we weren't doing any CBS Sports HQ stuff today. Yeah. They were like, "Can you do a CBS Sports HQ hit?" And our camera person, Liz, uh, she had just landed when I landed, and we're not at the same places. And so I was like, "Yeah, I guess we can do it, no problem." And so she's like, "Okay, cool. Come to my hotel. And we'll just shoot it here." I'm like, "Won't you come to my hotel? And we'll shoot it here. Why gotta? Why this gotta is come why to people mute you and unfollow you on Twitter." I'm. I'm. Listen, I'm the talent. <laughs> okay. I'm the talent. You come to me. I'm just kidding. It was not. We went to her to, to her hotel, which is at the corner where Tupac I know. got I, shot. Oh no! I thought it was the. I thought it was Paris. I'm almost positive this is this is correct. And we're getting. I knew we'd get off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, and I'm not going to obviously disclose the hotel. It's the same hotel where you managed to leave Hakkasan on the Kim Kardashian night. Get That's back, cool. get your golf club. Am I? Tell me I'm wrong. Get your golf clubs, and you woke up in New Atlanta, and you didn't know what was going on. Dude, that is the same hotel. That is where I was staying. Yeah. Did you I realize that before this? I, I didn't think about it, but like I did, I was thinking more about Tupac. I was thinking okay. more, more selflessly. I left Hakkasan. Have we told this story on the podcast? At least three times. Okay, <laughs> the quick version then. I left. I got a 6 a.m. flight back home the next morning. It's like a Saturday morning. Yeah, Saturday morning, 6 a.m. flight, like 6 a.m. departure, not be at the airport by 6, flying home at 6. I've got to host a charity event that Saturday night. I'm the MC. Same way I'm the master of ceremonies at the Atlantic 10 Media Day. I'm the master of ceremonies at this charity event. The only way I could get home in time is if I literally took the 6 a.m. flight. So I tell Norlander and everybody else, no matter how much fun we're having in Hakkasan tonight, no matter how how much attention Kim Kardashian, who's standing right over there, is paying attention to me. I've got to get out of here by like two o'clock yeah. because the goal, the thing was go back to the hotel, shower, go to the airport, d- just stay up all night. It wasn't sleep an hour or anything left. You know me. I look up, it's three o'clock. I'm still at Hakkasan, Kim Kardashian. I was right gone by this point, by the way. There's no shot yeah. of sticking around that Yeah, late. Norlander, Norlander had nowhere to be and was gone before me. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the this is actually not. This doesn't speak well of me. Like it's a pretty embarrassing story <laughs> once you cut through all yeah, the. Yet impressive because you had more luggage than usual. That's the other okay. part of this. I had my golf clubs because Norlander and I played golf. So I had a suitcase, golf clubs. I left Hakkasan, took a car back to that hotel, got my suitcase, got my golf clubs, got on the plane, which I had, it was flying straight to Atlanta, and then Atlanta back to Memphis. Got on the plane. The the next. 
I don't say this to be funny because it's kind of embarrassing and like I'm this should never happen to anybody. I don't remember leaving Hakkasan. And the next thing I remember, these are my, if I'm trying to tell you the last thing I remember and the next thing I remember, last thing I remember is standing in a booth, like watching Kim Kardashian stand on a stage and talk to all of us. Right. I that's what I remember that. And the next thing I remember is landing in Atlanta. I have no memory of anything that happened in between, but in between I left Hakkasan, got in a car, went to the hotel, took a shower, got my suitcase, got my golf clubs, and went to the airport, got through security, got on the plane. I have no recollection of any of it. And so when I get back to Memphis, my suitcase is there, but my golf clubs aren't. And I go to baggage claim, and I'm talking to the guy, and I'm like, yo, um, can you see how many bags I checked? And he's like, well, how many bags did you check? I said, I, uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to ask you to look up for me. He was like, well, just you don't remember how many bags you checked? I was like, I, I don't. <laughs> I like I like I like I needed to check two my suitcase and my golf clubs. My suitcase is here, so I clearly got one, but I have no recollection of whether I checked my golf clubs or or not. And he said, "Where are you coming from?" I said, "Las Vegas." He's like, "Okay, that makes some sense. Then let me look." And he said, "You did check them." I was like, "Son of a bitch! Look at me!" But they got lost, so I didn't get my golf clubs until much later. But I did uh, pull off that miraculous trip. What's the point of that story? I have no oh, idea, but I wanted oh, to two, get you on. Oh yeah, I did Tupac? a live. Uh, yeah, I did a live HQ shot at the hotel right next to where Tupac got got assassinated. <laughs> okay. And then and then I had to go to another studio to, to do a James Wiseman hit with the. With Scott Van Pelt for Sports Center, and I went straight for that to here to talk to you. And this is my night. This is what I'm doing. There you go. Sitting here watching Norlander lay down and talking about James Wiseman for 50 hours. Ah, oh, we love it, man. Hey, listen, I had to do five podcasts this week. <laughs> you had four. Okay, it felt like felt like five. I know we're, we're this this one feels like five. We're getting uh, there with the with the quickness let's, there. Let's move. On. Okay. Real quick, and I mean real quick. I'll be quick. But I feel like we need to point it out. There were some interesting results tonight. I didn't see a minute of any of it because of what I just described. But I do remember on a previous podcast you saying um, something about Seton Hall needs to win. And I'm like, win what? They're playing Maryland without their two best players. How are they going to win that game? They won it 52-48. Meantime, Auburn, as you mentioned earlier, beat NC State 79-73. So Bruce Pearl's Tigers are now 10-0. They still don't have a signature win. We discussed that in the last podcast, but they are 10-0. Shouts to them. Seton Hall, 52-48 over Maryland without their two best players. Norlander, make sense of that. I can't. I watched the entire game. It was hideous. Uh, doing it while doing my. Uh, By the way, I did the, I did the hit with Scott Van Pelt. And, you know, before we right. start. Maryland before, grad, I, yeah. He's a Maryland guy. He asked me, he goes, did you see any of the Seton Hall, Maryland game? And I said, no, I've just, I've been bouncing nonstop. Um, and he used the same word you used. He said, it was hideous. <laughs> so just horrendous, man. I mean, it was, and it was like, I was like doing like stretching rehab. So I was like angry at myself and angry watching the game. It's like, just, you know, just, just like cursing out Mark Turgeon for how his team was playing. It was just Jalen Smith wasn't good. I wanted a better game. Credit to Seton Hall. Down, it's two best players, still gets a home win. Maryland's dropped two straight. Uh, Seton Hall, I think, had 15 blocks in this game. That was impressive. So, shouts to the Pirates for getting a win in a tight spot uh, when it needed it. Got it at home. I was I was just impressed with that. With Maryland, it's just this kind of game where 
if you're again, it's like if you're a top ten team, like what? What is that? What universe? What? Where are we? I don't even know what existence is anymore. Partly because I think I'm on two a leave in the Epsom salt bath that I've been taking, so I don't even know. Are we, are we even talking to each other right now? But Maryland's supposed to be this seventh-ranked team, top ten in college basketball. It looked nothing like it. Back-to-back losses. Both have come on the road. Penn State and Seton Hall. They're understandable, but this team should just be better than what it is. It made a rally late, similar to Kentucky when it fell at Utah on, on Wednesday night. Uh, Maryland couldn't quite close it. Um and actually got a couple breaks there near the end, made a couple of plays, but it, it didn't happen. So um, you'll be dropping them in the Friday version of the top 25-1 and one to where, I don't know. Uh, but Seton Hall gets a, gets a big win and gets to 7-4. and four And, you know, just that's a notable one. Now it has at least the Maryland win, solid Iowa State victory, and nothing else stands out too much. But good for that program and you know that's pretty much all I got to say about it because the game was ter- the game was terrible it's a great win for and, Seton Hall but it was just it was one of the worst games I've seen the entire season and Maryland's body of work is like not great either I mean the best wins probably a neutral court win over Marquette not every day not every day you see a team start 10 and 0 and then lose to Penn State and a team missing its two best players it's probably the first time in the history of our known universe that's ever happened actually i, I think it's probably the first time it's ever happened so congrats to maryland you go from 10 and 0 to 10 and 2 with losses to penn state and shorthanded seton hall you ready for the final 4 and 1 i've never been more ready I have never been more ready to get this over with myself <laughs> okay updated stats have you even eaten dinner no I told you everything I've done since I've been in Las Vegas. <laughs> everything I've, I, all I've done since I got to Las Vegas is talk to different people so about James you're gonna Wiseman. Go to the, you're going to go to the Henry. The Henry, you got a secret pizza or the Henry. The Henry's a good late night spot. And it's not even that late. Actually, there's a lot. What am I talking about? Because it's almost midnight on the East Coast. You got plenty of time. It's, it's, not, it's nine o'clock here right now. You're good. You're yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I, like, uh, eventually I'll be done talking to James, about James Wiseman, I think. <laughs> you never know. Right. If somebody if somebody hits me up right now and be like GP, can you come on overnight and talk? I, mean, I can't. I cannot say another word about James Wiseman. I'm out of James Wiseman words. Updated uh, tally. Norlander is pulling away in the final four and one. He's now 15, 14 and one. I am 12, 17 and one. The way this works is, um, I pick four games. Uh, we use uh, if we don't have point spreads, Kimpom projections to create the point spread. We pick them against the spread, and then Norlander gets the and one, hence the title final four and one. Norlander, you ready? I'm sure. Why not? Saturday, Mm. noon Eastern. It's number one Kansas at number 18 Villanova. Ken Palm has it projected as Kansas minus two. What you want to do? I love Nova in this spot. Big time. Nova by like eight points. Home? Oh, you? I do. I I think this is the sneaky best play of the weekend. Um Nova's 8-2, losses to Ohio State and Baylor. It does not have a respectable win yet. I would not qualify or classify uh, its highest-ranked metric win. Mississippi State on neutral court is anything but good. So you figure, uh, I don't know, Kansas, you know, number one team in America. Well, we know what that means, and it's going to happen again. (laughs) The number one-ranked team in the country is going to lose. We're going to have six different teams in the first eight weeks of the season hold the number one ranking. In the AP Top 25, I've got Villanova to the tune of 74-66 over Kansas. I'm tired of having new number ones. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I, I'm going to trust Kansas to hold on. 
Kansas minus two. Is how, that's how I'm playing that one. Saturday, 2.30 Eastern. It's Purdue against number 17 Butler in Indianapolis. Kim Palm has it projected Purdue minus one. So the unranked team favored over the ranked team. I love the way you grunt every time I ask you. Like, it's the first time you've ever heard that a basketball game is about to happen. It's not the first time I've heard I love the way you grunt, though. Um, okay. Lander, between <laughs> that and the bathtub comment, what is, what's going on with you? I don't know, man. Oh. <laughs> You're just, you've become you've become the, a, a paralyzed man who brags about <laughs> the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, man. All right. They're playing Butler. Purdue is. Butler's really good this season. Um, Purdue's got the one. I'm going to take Purdue. I against, against my instinct here. I'll take Purdue. Crossroads Classic. Nice little event there. Indiana-Notre Dame's the other game. Obviously, the four big schools in that state. You going to agree with me? No, I cannot take uh, Purdue when they just lost by 14 points to a Nebraska team that's not good. Just leave it at that. Just not. I can't trust them. Plus, this always happens because people are dumb. I'll write the Politex column on Monday about a particular team that somebody mistakenly put on a ballot. This week it was Purdue, and so then, sure enough, like that, whatever team, it could be anybody. Like a few weeks ago, I explained how Texas Tech could not move up on a ballot after losing three consecutive games, but some some somebody did it just because they weren't paying attention, and then Texas Tech beats Louisville, and people tweet me, oh, GP, but you said in your poll, all I said in the poll text column was that you cannot move Texas Tech up after it just lost to unranked team after unranked team. That's all I said. I didn't say Texas Tech can't beat Louisville or be good. I just it's a, it's a column written in that moment about this specific thing, and it doesn't matter how many times I explain it. They're dummies on Twitter, and they don't understand it. And so if Purdue beats Butler – I'll have those exact same dummies saying, but GP, I thought you said Purdue couldn't move up. I did say Purdue can't move up because they shouldn't have moved up. They just lost to freaking Nebraska by 14 points. So I have to root for those dummies to stay out of my mention. That means I'm Butler plus one. Go Bulldogs. UNC Carolina. Wait, yeah, UNC UCLA. (laughs) Saturday, 5-15 Eastern. Number five, Ohio State against number six, Kentucky, here in Las Vegas. And for people who are coming to the CBS Sports uh, Classic, can't wait to see you. They have a ticket situation going on where you can buy tickets at these specific links and be entered to uh, have an opportunity to win like a meet and greet with a famous former basketball player from one of the four schools here. So for Ohio State, it's Greg Oden. For North Carolina, it's Sam Perkins. For Kentucky, it's Rex Chapman. For UCLA, it's Earl Watson. So, here, if you want to buy tickets and have an opportunity to meet those guys, um, the link is FEVO, that's F-E-V-O dot me, M-E, slash Greg Oden, or slash Sam Perkins, or slash Rex Chapman, or slash Earl Watson. Again, F-E-V-O dot M-E, slash Greg Oden, slash Sam Perkins, slash Rex Chapman, or slash Earl Watson. All right, Kim Palm has it projected Ohio State minus five. What you doing, Norlander? How can I not take the Buckeyes here? I still think that this is arguably the best team in college basketball. Gonzaga, Kansas are the other two. I'm going to take the Buckeyes. 
I would actually love to be proven wrong here, and I really, I mean, for your sake, for my sake, for CBS's sake, for college basketball's sake, give us a good game, please. But I cannot take Kentucky to cover five against Ohio State right now. I'm going to go Kentucky plus the five just because that's exactly the way this season has gone. You watch somebody look terrible and then do something amazing. Texas Tech, like we'll, we'll circle back to that real quick. Texas Tech uh, loses to Iowa, Creighton, DePaul, back to back to back. Then just goes and beats Louisville on a neutral court by double digits. Why like the that's, the, that's the season we've had. And so it would be perfect for this season uh, for Kentucky to spend uh, a Wednesday night losing to Utah and then bounce back and beat Ohio State. So I'm going to take Kentucky plus the five, not because I think that's smart, but just because I think it would fit more perfectly with the season that we're watching um, unfold. Saturday, 6.30 Eastern, number 13, Dayton against Colorado in Chicago. Kim Palm has it at Dayton minus five. Why are they in Chicago? Um, it's some event on CBS Sports Network. I was actually supposed to do sideline on it, but I had already booked everything for, for Las Vegas. Weird. Um, Dayton's awesome. Top 10 team in college basketball right now, as far as I'm concerned. Great offensive team. I do like, uh, I think Colorado's a little bit undervalued at this point overall. I actually like the roster a lot. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take, you said it was four or five. Uh, Ken Palm has it Dayton minus five. I will take Colorado to cover that. I, I McKinley Wright, the fourth, Tyler Bay, couple of studs there. Bay's been pretty awesome this year. Um, has a higher free throw rate than anyone in America. Um, just draws a ton of fouls. Yeah, all right. Buffs, give me a Tad Boyle squad, plus five. I'm going Dayton. They're my favorite team. Dayton's my favorite team. I'm the master of ceremonies, Atlantic 10 Media I Day. I know you. I know that. And uh, I, I, fe- I feel like I didn't identify Dayton first. I think an AP voter actually had Dayton on a top 25 ballot in the preseason. We might have shouted him out at one point. But I did, um, after watching Dayton, even like the first two games in Maui, I was like, this team's legitimately top 10 good. And so they've lived up to it since. They've gone from 55, 55, 55th in the preseason at Ken Palm, now all the way up to 12. They're 9-1, lone loss, a neutral court loss in overtime to Kansas. I'm taking Dayton because I am the master of ceremonies of the Atlantic 10 Media Day. Norlander, you get the N1 now. I do get the N1. Um, Sunday's pretty slow, if you're curious. And Friday's not that good either. We have you know, basically officially entered into that, uh, into that stage of the season where Friday's just not going to have a big slate and you're not going to have enticing matchups. So as you build your weekend around college hoops, maybe some uh, some NFL Saturday and NFL Sunday, just know that Saturday is certainly uh, more loaded. Games that are intriguing that I'm not going to offer up here, Utah State against Florida. Uh, um, that's a 2.30 tip on Saturday. I'm pretty intrigued to see what we get there. Uh, Creighton plays uh, at Arizona State on Saturday night. Arizona State... <laughs> Did you see this on Wednesday? It got destroyed by St. Mary's by 40 points. Jordan Ford was a stud. And this dude, Alonzo Verge, comes off the bench and scores Arizona 43 of their 56 points. (laughs) What? What? That's a glitch in the Matrix. That never – this dude took 20 – 29 shots. 
by himself. That's that's more than the rest of the team combined. So Alonzo Verge, like complete shouts to you. I don't even know what was going on there. Pac-12 Network game had a little trouble finding it. Shouts to St. Mary's for getting it. But yeah, Arizona State's gonna uh, Alonzo Verge. You got a you got a hell of a curtain call to live up to with that game against Creighton on Saturday. I almost wanted to give that game, but you know what? I'm going to stick with the with the company man stuff here. Uh, let's just try and predict what on earth we're going to see happen with UNC and UCLA. UNC, UCLA, CBS Sports Classic, no Cole Anthony. UCLA is still trying to find itself here. Um, Carolina is obviously coming. They're, they're already out west, so they're coming off that, uh, that tough but expensive loss against Gonzaga. And Ken Palm has the line as Carolina... Minus eight. This is a three Eastern tip uh, on CBS. Who are you going to take? I'm going to take UCLA plus eight just because I can't imagine North Carolina beating anybody by nine points right now. I mean, they they, they can't score. That's a problem. And, you know, I, I think since last we talked, they did just get run off the court at Gonzaga like we predicted they would. The score got a little tight at the end, but Gonzaga overwhelmed them from basically start to finish. I'll take UCLA plus eight. I do think Carolina wins the game, but uh, you give me eight points with um, with you know a high major team against North Carolina right now, I'll feel comfortable, I think. Wow. Uh, this is a first, and it might be an only time this season. We disagree on all five games. I will take UNC uh, to cover minus eight, which means you've got Nova plus two. I've got Can- or you've got Kansas minus two. I've got Nova plus two. You've got Butler plus one. I've got Purdue minus one. You've got Kentucky plus five. I've got OSU minus five. You've got the Flyers of Dayton minus five. I've got Colorado plus five, and you've got UCLA plus eight. I've got UNC minus the eight. So we actually have a nice little spread there of favorites and dogs as well. Big chance here, Parrish. Big chance for you to come on up, catch me, see if you can. Because if you're wrong, if you go one and four this week, oh, oh doggies, it's going to be almost over there. I'm going to have like an eight-game lead on you, buddy. And I'm terrible at this. I could have told it. I'm terrible at picking games. I'm ter- We've reached the point in the podcast where you brag about how great you are at sex, and I acknowledge <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible at picking games. That's I the never podcast. Made, I never made direct references to <laughs> to that with either of of my references. They could have been for many other things. In fact, the bathtub thing was a different thing altogether. But you want to take it there. That's that's your prerogative. You are in the Cosmo. What is it like? Uh, just the right amount of wrong you got going on right now. Your your room looks lovely right now. By the way, are you going to before we wrap up here? Mm-hmm. So you're hungry, right? And I we're I got I'm waiting to see you on SVP here. Are you gonna wrap it up? Are you gonna are you gonna stay in your room? And watch yourself on SVP. Or are you going to go to a restaurant in the Cosmo that's playing Sports Center and just place <laughs> yourself right in front of the television so that you can watch yourself and then other people can see you in public and then they, they can approach what if you? I, what if I went down to the sports book right now? Because you know ESPN's on, Sports Center's on in the sports book. And I literally walked in front of the televisions and just stood in front. Facing the patrons, I'm just. Lo- I'm not even looking at the TVs. I'm just looking at them, looking at the TVs as my, as my, as my face is talking to them right over my shoulder. Well, yes, you need to do this. And unfortunately, since I'm not there, I, you need someone to print you out a picture of Peyton Pritchard, and you need to do this at the sports book. I got. I got a. You got to get this done. I, I got a big night planned. I got a big night planned. I'm about to put my suit back on and go down to the sports book and hold up a, a picture of Peyton Pritchard while Scott Van Pelt and I talk. What on were you the gonna? What's book. the? What's you're gonna say? Who? 
Who is this man? Does anyone who, who know? Is, who, who is this person? It's Peyton Pritchard. Oh, please, please don't. Uh, I know you. You're not going to do it. I would love if you did it. It really I, would. Be I, you you want to know the truth? I'm probably not leaving my room. Okay, fair. Enough. Is that room service? You're going to go to the room service. I might not. I'm not. I'm, you're not going to eat. Might, I might not eat. I might just starve myself. How are you not going to eat, man? I might go eat. I don't know. I get, stop putting so many pressure. Stop, put, stop, stop putting pressure on me. Stop, stop putting pressure on me. I'm pressure on my sciatica right now, so I'm just living I, in a world of pressure. I've had a long day. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Rate it favorably. That means five stars. Leave a nice comment, and we will talk to you again maybe Saturday night, maybe Sunday night. The issue, and we should probably talk about this off air. Um, I don't get home till really late on Sunday night, flying home from Las Vegas. So we will figure that out. But um, just go subscribe, and then when the episode is uploaded, it'll pop right into your phone, whether we do it Saturday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night. So that's the best way to not have to uh, wait and for us to tweet it. Just go uh, subscribe, and it'll pop right in your phone. If you do that, I'll owe you forever. Till then, take care. Chip Patterson here from the Cover 3 Podcast on CBS Sports. While spring practice might be off, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, and I are full go with springtime team previews on the Cover 3 Podcast. We're talking depth charts, position battles, and the storylines that will become key talking points when the season finally does arrive. We'll break down each and every Power 5 conference by division, plus the group of five schools that hope to crash the playoff picture in 2020. In addition to the springtime team previews, we're continuing off-season staples like the mailbag, Cover 3 Book Club, and conversations with guests from around the college football world. Episodes are coming twice a week, so download and subscribe to the Cover 3 Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts.